0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry defeating, circumstance defying happiness. Written by pastor and best selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold.
1: From Christianity Today, this is The Art of Pastoring. I'm Jared Wilson. And I'm Ronnie Martin. me oh, thou great Jehovah pilgrim through this barren
2: land. Today we're gonna we're gonna discuss discouragement, Jared C. Discouragement and frustration uh, with pastors. And I'm looking forward to this not because the topic is so cheery. But because it's, uh, you
1: know, last week we talked about anxiety. Yes. Now we're talking about frustration and discouragement. We, we ought to call this the depressed pastor podcast. It, it might it, it, it factors don't, in for sure. You know. Yeah, the Debbie Downer, <laughs> po- pastor podcast.
2: So we're not trying to we're not trying to be the downers. We're not trying to be the Debbie Downers or the David Downers. I don't know. Right? There you do go. We got to be all right. square with that. Um, but we do want to talk about we do want to talk about some things that we face or we have faced and that really when we think of pastoring, we know that men all over are facing. And so today talking about discouragement and frustration and things of that, things of that nature, especially um, related to what happens when pastors are get to this level of discouragement and they start questioning their call. And yeah. so we want to just dive into that a little bit. So I'm going to just start by asking you, man, how... How often, actually, does this topic of discouragement and uh, frustration come into your conversations with pastors?
1: I mean, I would say almost every time. I talk to a lot of pastors uh, through my work with the seminary, yeah, um, and and just traveling around as well as you do too. And every now and then, you find the guy where it's just like everything's going great, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> everything's wonderful. <laughs> and he's loving it and it's typically a guy who's like in in years 10 to 15 who's feeling that but w- when I talk to a guy who's probably less than 10 years in and especially probably years 3 to 5 yeah 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 th- this comes up almost every time if if you go a little bit deep which i try to do just to you know see how guys are doing and see how they're faring and it just comes up because it's there's something that happens especially for a new pastor around year 3 or so where things actually get real, right? The honeymoon phase is over. For sure. They're they're actually having to face, oh, these are actually the people that I have that I have to deal with. And at and at the same time the church is going, "Oh, this is actually who he is. This is actually the <laughs> pastor we're going to have." You know, all of the keeping up appearances is is gone. And it's the real thing. And you're actually getting to see how he reacts to real situations and real conflicts and real relationship struggles, you know, leadership conundrums, how he's navigating, uh, you know, financial difficulty, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a marriage in the sense that, right. After a while, you you know you, you've come back from Cancun or whatever whatever it is, <laughs> and um, clearly you know, the honeymoon who, is over. That yeah yes. yeah that pastor who looks so hot to the congregation, <laughs> you know now you're you're in close proximity under the same roof and oh like they're a you know flawed broken sinful person just like I am, and and stuff happens so it comes up all the time. Yeah. And so the question sure. of of calling does as well because it's right in, in the midst of that, that this sort of crisis of maybe I made the wrong decision, maybe I shouldn't have come here, as if, if you know, if you make the right ministry decision, everything's just gonna go smooth. There's zero the conflict, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? I yeah. mean, what's the fundamental problem with that? What is the problem with somebody thinking, oh, if, if I had made the right decision or if I was called to this, it would undoubtedly be easy?
2: Yeah, man, it must be there's something in the water of pastors that that we idealize ministry on, on some fundamental level. Right. And so and I think when you come into ministry, what you just said, and you have that particular honeymoon period where everybody's like, oh, man, you're the greatest preacher I've ever heard. And then I think the other thing, too, is it takes a while as as your congregation is getting to know you. It takes them a minute before they allow themselves to communicate problems that they're having in, in their life, in their personal life or even problems that they're beginning to have with you, with the things you say, with the way that you say the things you say. So I, I think it was so I think it's so accurate to say that between years three and five and then five to ten is when a congregation finally gets to know a pastor and a pastor gets to, know a congregation. And what we find is that we don't particularly like what we know so much. (laughs) And so, but there's a particular kind of honesty that I think is finally gets put on the table, sort of a, this is who you are, this is who I am. And a lot of times people's personalities and their, their own frustrations, maybe with the pastor that was before you or with pastors in general, Um, A lot of times it might not even be you as much as it's just frustrations that people have when they have figures of authority over them. So, man, there's all of these contributing things that just tend to surface and then you sort of step back and you go either maybe I'm not called to this particular congregation or I don't know if I'm called to do this at all because in some ways I feel like I must be the only one experiencing this because this feels brutal. Right.
1: Right. Well, and, you know, pastors in, in general are reluctant to complain. Right. Yeah. You know, to, to be, or, or, to, or to appear like they're complaining. Right. So if you express a kind of discouragement or, or frustration, you feel guilty because you're just supposed to suck it up or, you know, understand this is just the nature of things. And so they may talk to their wife or yeah. maybe oh, a yeah. close friend who's not in the church, but they typically are not going to express these things. Even in even in healthy ways, they won't do it. Sometimes it'll come out in unhealthy ways in, in how they, you know, maybe short with people or just seem kind of checked out or, or grumpy or something like that. Yeah. But we don't share these things with others. So we just kind of bottle it up mm-hmm. and, and ask those internal questions. Am I not supposed to be here? Am I not called to this? Which is just one of the biggest misconceptions, as you said. It, like we have this idealization of what ministry is supposed to be, and that's enhanced or exacerbated by the whole process of being hired and the cert because they're finding God's right man. And it, hey, man, it's you. You're God's right man. And so when that 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 crisis. Hits and it could be just a series of, you know, these little minds that you're stepping on across yeah. the field of ministry. It could be, you know, when that starts to happen, it that erodes that illusion or the or the, uh, you know, ideal of God's right man. You become
2: allegedly God's right. That's man. right. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they may be thinking, did we get it wrong? You're thinking, did they get it wrong? Did I get it wrong? And that just, I think, cuts against really the biblical testimony. Yeah. Of calling and and ministry in general, like what ministry records do we have that if God calls you into something, it's gonna be easy or it's gonna be comfortable?
2: Well, isn't it I, just know, the isn't it just the opposite? I, I mean, I I feel like right. if we if we were to if we were to encounter a ministry of which everything was just sweet times all the time, right? If it just felt <laughs> like one endless party where your congregation just adored you and every word that came out of your mouth was like candy for them. You know, at some point you would just go, hey, there's something off about this. That's right. The fact that I'm not experiencing any sort of, uh, there's no pain points, right? And Mm. there's something odd about that in terms of what scripture tells us, specifically what Jesus told us and Paul told us about what this whole thing was going to look like, Right.
1: Yeah, I mean it's instructive. The you know some of the famous callings we have in 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 the Bible, right? You have the calling upon Abraham and the call of of, of Moses, but I think also like the call of Isaiah. Yeah, I mean, which began with this great, glorious discombobulation. He had this beautiful mm-hmm. vision that was so overpowering. That it, it it took him apart basically, and and so it was kind of a severe thing, but just a very overwhelming sense of just the glory and the beauty and the grandeur of God, which set him up for that availability. Like, man, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything yeah. for you because yeah. of what you've done in my life. And God sends him to a very difficult ministry. Um, you're gonna go talk to people who aren't gonna listen to you. And you're going to lose people. You're going to lose like 90% of the people. <laughs> you know, Only a stump is going to remain when you're done. Well, none of us would want that kind of ministry. <laughs> none of us thinks like, man, I'm going to go to this church. I'm going to lose 90% of the people. That's my plan. You know, it's yeah. just not what we're thinking of doing. <laughs> and yet we just have example after example of biblically the call to ministry is a call to die to yourself. It's yes. a call to take the gospel to hard places and you may not think you're doing mission work because you're not in Uganda or yeah. East Asia or wherever it is but you may be doing mission work in that in that rural town or in even in that suburban neighborhood faithful gospel work is always mission work Absolutely. wherever you are and mission work isn't isn't easy by nature. It's not easy.
2: Yeah, let me. I want to explore a couple of things that kind of that that you said a couple of things that triggered some uh, two things I'd like to explore. The first one is I know your story in Vermont. You were there for five years. You had a, a six
1: years. But six who's years. Counting?
2: Who's counting? Right. I <laughs> love how you got to be all literal with me like that. Couldn't just let me roll with five. Um, you're like, no, 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 no. It was six. I want to let the record <laughs> show. It was six, six, it
1: felt like 20. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but there's this, you know, pastors are not always called to a life sentence in a hard place. Sometimes certainly God brings pastors into places that are seasonal for both the church and the pastor. And it could be that God uses a particularly difficult run at a church just for a season, right? And that was, that was your experience in
1: some ways. Yeah, but you know I didn't think of it that way. Right. I think it you know was important for me and I think this is you know I, you know I don't want to extend my own convictions into a law that the Bible doesn't extend. But I think it's important for when pastors go to a place to not be thinking this is just a season, but to be really invested and think long term, which is what I did and and it's why it made it. You know, I would say to say traumatic is probably a little too strong, but it was very difficult to leave. And partly because I, I went there planning to die. I right. went there thinking this is where I want to spend the rest of my life. And I meant that. And I said that. And that, of course, became complicated <laughs> when it, when we were making our exit. <laughs> right. That, you know, I've already talked such a big game, but it wasn't in my mind talking a big game. Like it, it wasn't me trying to tell people what they wanted to hear. It's what I actually felt. In you had bones. a
2: desire to begin this ministry and end this ministry
1: Yes, and I and I felt I felt at home there as difficult a ministry as it was yeah and and Vermont's a very hard soil I don't know what the stats are now but at the time that I went there all the polls or, or surveys were showing you know it's the least churched state in the nation right it's, it's number one in terms of the highest percentage of people who who identify as no religion on their surveys so missionally and evangelistically, Um, it's a very important mission field, as New England is in general. So it's a very hard field in a lot of ways. And yet I felt very at home there. I felt like I'd finally arrived and found my people, so to speak. Grew up in the South where I always felt like an alien. So that was really difficult as well. The great discouragement began with, oh man, I, I really wanted to be here for a long time. And I believe the Lord is calling us to leave and asking me to sacrifice this dream that I have and this commitment that I've made mm. perhaps foolishly you know that I've articulated to others he's asking me to lay it down and follow him to a new place and you know that was very discouraging to me but then you know you know actually having to extricate myself from it it was just painful you know there's a lot of pain in in doing that but I never wanted to confuse, you, you know, part of the the complexity of working out, mm. am I being called or not being called, is because even then, like, I didn't want to confuse difficulty for lack of calling. You're right, for sure. You know, th- yeah. there wasn't a point where I said, it's so hard, I must not be called here. Or if I had that thought, I quickly thought, you know, I quickly redirected to the scriptures to right. say, no, that... You know, difficulty cannot be the sign of a lack of calling. There's got to be something, something else yeah. there, you know. This
0: episode is brought to you by Church Salary. Coming up with a reasonable salary range for church staff has never been easy. There are so many details to consider before setting compensation for church staff. And you're probably asking yourself questions like, are we paying too little or too much? What benefits do we offer employees? What's a reasonable housing allowance? Church Salary believes that offering competitive and fair compensation helps keep people in ministry. Using the expansive church-specific compensation database and powerful salary calculator tool, you can also make better compensation decisions so your staff can focus on their ministries. Start with Church Salary's annual membership today to run unlimited, customized reports and get access to our member-only content. Ready to start making better compensation decisions? Get started at churchsalary.com.
2: Let me ask you this, because something, this has come up uh, in conversations I've had with other, with other pastors, because you said something, you know, your intention was to go there and basically... You know, you wanted to enter that ministry, and you wanted you wanted to be a you know you wanted to be a lifer in Vermont. And oh, yes. I, do you think do you think that pastors? And I'm I'm asking this honestly because I'm not really sure what the answer should be. But do you think pastors should go into any call with a little more open handedness? Because if God moves you to a particular area, a t- particular ministry, He also can decide to move you on to another ministry. And is it a mistake? to automatically just think, no, 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 I, I have to look at this as if I'm going to be here un- until I retire? Or is it better maybe to to sort of stand back and go, I'm going to be here as long as I feel God has me here or in- unless I hear a clear call to move someplace else? Would that, Would that change some of the mental and spiritual dynamic that happens in our heart in terms of the discouragement that can come into play if we're three years in and we're like, oh, this is really hard and painful.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think as in the avoidance of being double-minded, I think it, it it is important what you just said to sort of, you know, as the Bible says, don't say tomorrow I'm going to go here or there, or right. this, you know, yeah. this place. But if the Lord wills, you know, that's a component that was kind of missing from my conviction, which is to say, if the Lord wills. And when people would ask me, You are gonna be here a while? You're gonna stay and right. I would say, Man, I'm not going anywhere. I'm never gonna leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which only caused me problems later when I did, because <laughs> right. there are people like, You've betrayed us, right? You've pulled the rug out from under us. Well, but that was and an I honest sh-
2: that was an honest yeah. statement though, right? Because you it, I, it
1: was, but yeah. but here's the thing. So I, I think it's important to be able to say if the Lord wills, but to be acting like a lifer, because the problem can be if you're thinking if the Lord wills, but you're acting like, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm here. Maybe I'm not. Maybe (laughs) I'm not going to invest too deeply. I'm not going to put roots down. Right? Was it Martin Luther who said, "You know, if I knew the Lord was coming back tomorrow, I'd still plant my apple tree today." Right? <laughs> it's you know, it's kind of something like that. I don't know if he's the one who said that, but
2: I've heard like tomato plant. I've I've heard that yeah, yeah whatever I, it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've heard all <laughs> kinds of different fruit and vegetables that he was going to continue to uh, yeah maintain that right. day.
1: But but uh, the idea is, you know what? Tomorrow may be different, and I and, and the Lord may will that I not be here. But today, I'm going to live and invest as if I'm gonna be here for the long haul. Because that's what people are, you know, ministered to by anyway. If if they feel like, man, you've got one foot out the door and you're and, and your heart's not really in it with them. So if you can avoid a double mindedness, for that's sure. really kind of the sweet spot to be in, which is to say, I'm gonna be here as long as the Lord allows me to be here. For sure. Unless because I don't know the mind of the Lord and he may call me somewhere else and, and I want to be open to that. Right. But while I'm here, I'm I'm gonna be here. I'm gonna live here. Because right.
2: people need to invest in their pastor too, and they need to invest in a man that has committed himself for as long as the Lord has in there. Because again, we've seen the flip, right? Which I think you, you kind of alluded to, which was, you know, there's that cliche that goes around that says, there, there's some kind of stat out there, right? That says, you know, pastors are kind of average now three years uh, in any one particular location before they kind of move on to their next "quote unquote" calling, so instead of getting this pastor with all of this experience, he basically has three years of experience in any new place that he goes to, right? right.
1: You know, so there's. Why do you think that is? I mean, is that like why three years? Because that seems to be the magic number of when things get real. Yeah, well, because I think it's, isn't it?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So there, there, yeah, there's a reason why that. You don't that even know so who magical. you're pastoring
1: until year three, like, like you don't even know who they are. Yeah. Until year three. You,
2: you barely know. even know their names after year three if you're like me and you have a problem <laughs> with memorization. But yeah, but I mean that would make a lot of sense, right? Like that, like the sweetest spot for our flesh would be that what I'm going to do is I'm going to bounce from congregation to congregation so that I can be in a place with them where they are constantly just discovering who I am. They haven't seen they've only seen my my good side. They're still just right. magically transfixed with my preaching for the first few years and all of those really hard things haven't had time to surface yet. And when that, when, when just the first inkling of that begins to happen, I'm going to bounce somewhere else. Right. I mean, what, I mean that, I think that's called a career. That's not really called a ministry. Right.
1: <laughs> well, it's certainly, it's a, that would be a, a good way to transfer the discouragement from yourself to congregations
2: Right. <laughs> right exactly.
1: <laughs> to, be, to say, I'm going to give you my three years worth of material. Right and and then I'm gonna go, you know, i'm I'm you know,'m taking this on tour, basically, I'm gonna hit up the next place. and that way, I'm never discouraged because I'm always at my best. I'm at my performative best, but yeah, every congregation absolutely. is left in the lurch, you know, every three years, <laughs> right.
2: No, I mean, and I think that's I, you know there if we're being honest, we would all say, that sounds like a sweet gig. I'll sign <laughs> up for that, right? Um, again, it's because it, it feels more it's more a career move than it is. Settling into what God has called us to, which is, you know, a ministry that contains the kinds of development that that He puts us in to to do in, in us. I think one of the other things, too, this gets us, if we're talking about discouragement, I think a lot of pastors feel like they don't have an outlet for their discouragement. You know, the Bible never hides discouragement. So when we read the Psalms, when we read Paul, they're always very honest about their lowness um especially the psalms why why do pastors have such a hard time being honest about discouragement what 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 are they afraid to lose in the honesty of that? what do you think
1: man it's I think it's a it's a tough question I think in general because we feel like we have to keep up appearances yeah or or, or, or set the tone. We don't like just the general mood of discouragement and we don't want our people to be discouraged. So if, if we, you know, if we share our own, it's almost like we're bringing the room down or we're, you know, we're kind of changing the temperature of, of, of the congregation and we've got to be raw, raw. We've got to yeah. keep up the appearance. But I also just think there's that level of not wanting to show weakness of not wanting mm, to, that's good be seen as, as as weak or, yeah, in a lot of different ways, whether physically or emotionally. If you're in the midst of conflict in particular, right, so say this isn't a year thing or, you you know, it's not about the congregation got real, and but it's just whatever year you're in, there's some kind of, di- you know, division or conflict going on. To admit discouragement, to admit that you're being laid low by it is like a kind of admitting of defeat. And kind of a show of weakness. Yeah, I think a lot of pastors are a little shy about that. Like if I if I open up this side to them, they're going to stab me in it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, kind of thing. Like so, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. I gotta cover all. Up. I gotta keep my armor on and not express it. We we think you know setting an you know an example to the flock, as Peter says in First Peter five, we think that means looking like we have it all together. Right and putting on a happy face. And we certainly don't want to be the sad sack pastor. I mean...
2: Because there is that too, isn't there? There is. There is. Yeah, you don't the, want the guy yeah, who's
1: constantly... The overshare his,
2: his, pastor. That's the, right. The yeah. feelings
1: on a shirt sleeve guy. You don't want right. to be that for sure. But there's honesty... Yeah, that I think is is important for pastors. How do you
2: how do you see that honesty coming through? So let's get practical for a minute. Yeah, Um, because again, I I would say most pastors are not in danger of oversharing, but there is, I would say, you know, kind of given kind of given the last ten to twenty years of where we find ourselves culturally and what is acceptable, um, it is acceptable now to be the vulnerable pastor, to be the pastor that shares a little bit too much about how he's feeling all the time. Because now you're going to you're, you're get a younger generation that is going to appreciate that. They're going to feel like, man, we have a guy up there who's honest, who is vulnerable about his weaknesses. How can we tip the scales too far on that end of things? How can we overshare, like even in a sermon? What, what would be some things that we need to guard against with that?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, transparency, I think, is very compelling. And yet there comes a point, as as you indicated, that it becomes about preaching yourself rather than preaching Christ. So I think if you have, you know, even just practically or or logistically, there's just a lot of real estate in your sermon manuscript or, you know, the lesson you're teaching that centers on you and your feelings and your experience. You're entering the danger of Centering the message on yourself, even right. if it's a confessional message, even if you're not necessarily proclaiming yourself as some great whatever or the you know you figured it out, but if you're dwelling too much on your own feelings or your own hurts or experience, you run into the danger of kind of the pulpit is not a confessional. Right. The pulpit is not you know it's a place to proclaim Christ. Yeah. So I think it always has to be kind of a a setup to. To the greatness and the glory of Jesus, rather than even our own our own issues and and struggles. But I think, especially if it's like, you know, always be self deprecating in some way. But if it's every week, it's like I got to find the the weepy story to you know connect with people and <laughs> right, you know, that sort of thing. It becomes a shtick, right? I mean, it does. Yeah, you it know, does. when I was a kid, this is probably I was in high school. There's a pastor that. I sat under that he had a testimony of being saved out of alcoholism and being a wild child kind of thing. So this is the kind of deal that sells in Baptist circles really well, Yeah. which is like, I was the wild child who drank and then I got saved and now I'm a good guy. Well, like he went to this story not like all the time. Weekly. and Yeah. Yeah. Almost (laughs) weekly. And it became like, this is his shtick. This is the thing. And it raises questions like, "Is God doing anything in your life now?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> <is> there... <laughs> but but also it just became such a repetitive thing. It became kind of a crutch, I think, for his his uh, you know for his rhetoric for his preaching. So those yeah, are something sure. I think some warning signs to kind of think about. What about you? I mean, you think that there's what's the danger in in sharing discouragement publicly?
2: Well, I think, yeah, I think one of the dangers is that we, we can use that as sort of our own self-medication against discouragement. We can think, I'm just not being vulnerable enough, or I, you know, I don't want to be the pastor that's just being too professional. By being as confessional as I can be um, in the pulpit, that is one of, that is one of the things that's going to guard me against discouragement. And, and although there's some truth with, I think there can be some truth with that, I think more often than not I think we're going to find that our our discouragement comes from probably an unhealthy expectation of what this calling actually uh, is and always will be which is that you know we battle not against flesh and blood right so we're man we're in the business of caring for people's souls we have an enemy that is not incredibly happy with us embarking on that work and I think I think for us It's just this awareness that needs to always be in place that says this work was always going to be hard ground, hard soil, and man, there's going to be barriers at every turn. And to have an expectation that it's not going to be like that, or if I can just find some ways to maneuver through that without having, again, just a return to my settledness in the finished work of Christ – I, I think discouragement is always going to, to have just sort of a, a, a hold on us in
1: some of those ways. You, you know, the the realism of, of the Word of God, I think, ought to impact our reality in, in this regard as well. Yeah. To see, you know, the real depictions of discouragement there, what, yeah. what people who were called were called into. And be able to just see that w- whatever season of ministry we're in, it is "quote unquote" normal for life in a fallen, broken world. I mean, I know guys who are past year ten, year you know twenty, and every, and and everything's going great, and they're discouraged that there's not a hill to climb. <laughs> right. You know, like they kind of miss those days of being in the fray. Of yeah, they feel like, man, i I'm I'm too comfortable. So there's always you know, some pretense that we can use that would discourage us and that gets conflated with our sense of calling or not calling, but it's so calibrating, stabilizing the word of God, which just speaks reality to us Yeah, to, to let us know our broken world is is not uniquely broken just for us, but it's always, you know, it's been like this since the fall, but the word of God will not return void and whatever he's called you into, he's going to be there with you. I think that would be kind of a parting encouragement that I would share. Yeah, is that wherever you have found yourself, where whether you feel like you were bamboozled, <laughs> you were sold a bill of goods. <laughs> right. I know pastors who feel like, man, I was sold a bill of goods, and the congregations feel that way too. Right. You know, man, you sold us a bill of goods. You may feel that way, but the Lord saw it coming, and and He wanted you to be, you know, the one at the helm of that ship at this time. So you can have all, you know, all the humility and the confidence that that brings, knowing that wherever He calls you, He's going to go with you. He's not sending you out without His own partnership and friendship. That's
2: yeah. uh, helpful, man. Thank you.
1: Man, it's been great talking with you today. I'm Jared Wilson. I've been talking with Ronnie Martin. Thanks for joining us today on the Art of Pastoring podcast.
0: Open now the crystal fountain
1: whence the healing waters flow let the fire If you're liking the show, please take a minute and give us a rating and review in iTunes. It helps other people find us. You can find Ronnie and me on Twitter at at Ronnie J. Martin and at Jared C. Wilson. Feel free to hit us up with questions and potential topics for the show. We'd love to hear from you. The Art of Pastoring is a production of Christianity Today. It's produced by Mike Cosper, editing by Mike Cosper and Aaron Leslie, mixing by Aaron Leslie. Our theme song is Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah by Jeremy Casella.